podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, I'm Sai, and welcome to Ace Podcast Nation, the home of the Andy Campbell Football Show. This is Series 2, Episode Number 3, and the show is available as usual on Facebook, YouTube and Twitter Live. Ace Podcast Nation, of course, your home to many great shows and series featuring top guests, expert analysts and more. So please do give us a follow on social media and uh, keep up to date on upcoming shows and guests. Subscribe to that YouTube channel, click the bell for notifications. And plus, this podcast is now part of the Sports Social Podcast Network, the UK's first dedicated all sports podcast network. You can find the, the next show and all of the shows that Ace Podcast Nation produces on various subjects at the Sports Social uh, websites. You can find them www.sports.com dash social.co.uk and uh, all of our shows have their own little websites and um, another little bit of housekeeping um this year uh ace podcast nation and the uh, andy campbell football shows are supporting a charity super six football prediction league raising money for two great charities uh maggie center which is a, a cancer charity and mind mental health charity there's a, a number of ex-footballers, ex-Cardiff City players who you can compete against, including our very own Andy Campbell, including uh, also myself playing, uh, as well as uh, a lot of the regulars who watch the show. So if you want to get involved, there's cash prizes for the winners. Uh, the first round is this Saturday. So if you'd like to get involved, the link for the Facebook group is in the description below on YouTube and Facebook uh, and contact Will Melush, who will probably be in the chat this evening uh, and he can add you to the group and he can give you the code to join. But uh, Super Six and you can show how you know more about football than Andy Campbell and uh, obviously not myself because it'd be ridiculous. But uh, a big thank you to Black Diamond Sports as ever for all their help supporting the channel and the show. Black Diamond Sports is a global sports agency representing sports stars from around the world and for more information you can visit their social media pages and their website the links to which are in the description below today's sponsor Dan Ralston and Bespoke Financial uh, Darren is giving away a free will worth £140 cash with any new policy which is taken out 
check out this incredible offer. Give them a call. Tell them that we sent you. And uh, if you take out any of their services, you will get £140 cash back. Uh, an amazing offer. And uh, what's not to like about having £140 back. Uh, so we thank them for sponsoring the show and all their support as ever. Uh, but with all the housekeeping out of the way, let's get to the good stuff. I'm delighted to introduce, first and foremost, my co-host. He is the goal collector, the fox in the box, still the king of the Millennium Stadium, ex-Cardiff City and Middlesbrough hero, Davy Jones's favourite son, the goal machine, Mr Andy Campbell. How are you, my friend? Good evening. Well, yeah, I'm uh, I'm a little bit happier than I was last week, so apologies. Mm-hmm. I haven't really got uh, around to us uh, saying sorry what happened last week. Um, obviously, connection issues, but um, all sorted. Uh, fingers crossed, everything's going to be perfect tonight. Got an amazing guest which coming in a minute, but um, yeah, really, really forward to it. Um, but obviously, with what's going on in the world um, and not being a great week again, um, I want to dedicate tonight's show. I know Tony put it on on social media the other day, and I and I had a long trip yesterday with my my old man to a um, a charity football uh, event, and we were talking about it. And Terry Coo unfortunately lost his life. Um, he's ex Leeds United defender, and obviously middles before back as well. So uh, I want to dedicate tonight's show to um, to him and his family. Uh, obviously, it's a, such a sad time and uh, to uh, to lose your life at any time. But you know, just my thoughts and, and from everyone in the show, just uh, just to him and his family at this uh, at this sad time. Couldn't have said it better myself, mate. Um, so, as always, mate, really important. Football community rallies around uh, people's families, people's friends, people's clubs. Uh, they all mean a lot to the people of football at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, you mentioned our tremendous guest this evening. I am very excited to welcome uh, tonight's guest. He is a former England international. Uh, he was a defender for Aston Villa, Chelsea, Leeds United, Torino. Derby County, Stoke City. It is Mr. Tony DiRigo. Welcome, Tony. How are you? I'm very good, thanks. Looking forward to uh, chatting to you guys. Yeah, it's going to be good. I'm really looking forward to it. Tony, um, really huge thanks on. for yeah, huge thanks for coming on. Um, yeah, really looking forward to digging deep. Um, I know we've got football fans uh, on build, uh, but in the UK um, from various clubs, clubs that you played for, you played against. So we will get some uh, very interesting questions as well from the viewers. Absolutely. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. Um, so, Tony, what we like to do first and foremost is uh, we ease you, ease you in nicely um, with something we call the Magnificent Seven, which is uh, seven quick-fire questions, uh, and you just answer the first thing which comes to mind, just for the viewers to, to get to know you a little bit uh, and your tastes and whatnot. Um, there might be a couple of little grenades in there, you never know, but uh, generally nice and easy, but uh, let's have a go. Okay, Tony DiRigo, the Magnificent Seven. Uh, no, it's always nice and easy to start. Uh, Messi or Ronaldo? Messi. Uh, Favourite TV show? Favourite TV show? Um, I'm going to go for, years ago, Only Fools and Horses. There we go. Always makes me laugh. Classic. Absolute classic. I like it. Uh, I like it. Classic, yeah. Most, most hostile atmosphere that you ever played a game of football in? Uh, Millwall away on a Tuesday evening uh, down at the old den was quite interesting, but actually it was a, a place in southern Italy. 
Um, and it was only, I think it held nine or 10,000. And honestly, I could not believe how much they actually wanted to kill us, basically. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, the atmosphere was incredible, but uh, they made some noise. They really did when I played for Torino. So uh, yeah, that Amazing. was pretty intense. But yeah, Cold Blow Lane, I think with uh, Herlock and uh, Fashionu and all that lot. And I was about 19, 18. That was, a, that was an experience. Yeah, that's one for the when you're a teenager. You're not the first, you're not the, you, you're not the first to uh, to mention Millwall as well. There's a few people who mentioned Millwall. Obviously, from my memories, obviously I, I didn't get to play at the old den. Um, I've seen videos, I've seen um, plenty of footage of it, and, it, and seen how hostile it was. But the new den was just as as hostile. You know, for me, it's the people, the people who make it hostile. I mean, the fans yeah. are, are very passionate about what they're doing. To them, you know, it's uh, it's, uh, it's a fabulous football club, um, but sometimes the they can go a little bit too far, but hopefully uh, with their fans coming back in, hopefully they can make that as they have done in the last few years. But no, great answer. Great answer that. Okay, uh, Tony, last couple then. Um, best manager you ever played for? Um, I'm going to split it in between two. It'll be Howard Wilkinson and Bobby Robson uh, for quite different things. But yeah, those two are very impressive. Okay. Um, Chelsea or Leeds? Uh, oh, that's a tough one at the end. I saw the grenade coming. Uh, mm -hmm. I'll have to go with it. Angriest teammate? Oh, Martin Keown. He could he argue with himself, that boy. Ooh, he's an angry man. Um, and then nice and easy to finish. Um, and it doesn't have to be football related. Who is the, uh, the greatest Australian or Englishman who has ever lived? Oh, one guy that I used to just follow and love uh, was actually Greg Norman, the golfer, because he was this big, blonde, good-looking Queenslander, and uh, he collected Ferraris. I mean, what's not to like, for God's sake? And they kept winning tournaments all around the world. Uh, so, yeah, growing up, I, I did uh, uh, follow Mr. Norman quite closely. I thought he was a, a great ambassador for Australia. Good stuff. I like it. I um. I love that question. It's my favourite question in the Magnificent Seven because obviously I changed the the kind of nationality depending yeah, on who the guest awesome. is. But it's such a wide ranging question that literally the majority of people yeah. will say something completely different for completely different reasons mm -hmm. because everyone's had a different life experience. I just love it. It's uh, it's not maybe the quickest fire question of uh, this ever been designed, but I do like it. Um, so, and I think um, what we'll do first and foremost. I think is, Osai as well. well. Sorry, go on. Okay. Yeah, go on, you mate. I think uh, I think Tony's the first first Australian we've had on here as well. So it's a, it's the first Australian answer, I'm sure, to my knowledge, from series one and series two. I can't remember we've had another one. Mm, yeah, nothing off the top of my head. I'll have a little thing now. But I think yeah, indeed. Um, so what we like to do now, Tony, is we have a thing called "Tell Me Why," um, and what it is is uh, I give you and Andy two questions or subjects to talk about you have 60 seconds to discuss the subject or answer the question uh there's a timer which i will set up in just a second uh but as the guest you get to decide if you'd like to go first or second i'll go first i will go first first so uh the first Come question with. or subject is harry kane didn't show up for training today uh, some would say in a bid to force through a move away from Spurs. Uh, I've seen it called unjustified. I've seen it called unprofessional, childish, 
something he needs to do because of the way Daniel Levy is. Um, but I would like to know your opinions on Harry Kane not turning up to training today and, and potentially forcing through a move. And uh, your 60 seconds on that very simple subject starts now. I think what's clear is Harry Kane is, uh, you know, a wonderful talent, wonderful player, and he feels a lot. Uh, for Spurs, he's given them absolutely everything. And I can only imagine that there is certainly has to be an agreement behind the scenes for him to go and act that way, because uh, I'm not sure you could find a more professional player, you know, a more committed player. But I think it, it gets to the point that, OK, he wants to win something. You know, he he's that good that, uh, you know, he wants to go and win trophies at the end of his career. He wants to look back. He wants to do it with Spurs. But once you lose that belief you know, you, then you have to, to look elsewhere. And I'm sure he had uh, an agreement with Daniel Levy end of last season. Otherwise, he wouldn't turn up or he just can't read his calendar properly. Very <laughs> easy to do. You know, you just don't turn up on the wrong day. You're still on your holiday somewhere. These things happen. But uh, no, I, I'm sure that um, he's feeling probably very aggrieved at the moment that uh, what was agreed privately between him and his chairman suddenly uh, is uh, turning to something very different. But... I think knowing Mr. Levy and how he operates, uh, it'll go right to the 60 wire. Seconds. It'll drive up the price and get 100 million. There we go. It's very good. Uh, yeah, no, I I tend to agree with you. Actually, I think that there was clear. It was quite clear there was some sort of agreement in place last year for him to move. Um, so we'll see what Andy thinks. Um, but Andy, uh, the same same question. Your 60 seconds starts now. Uh, difficult question. Um, I believe there's been some probably um communication behind the scenes that, that, that obviously the public don't know about because harry i agree with tony is very professional ultra professional you know I mean, yes he might want to leave and yes he might want to better his career but he loves spurs he loves about it um and uh, yes he might want to move away from the football club to progress and win trophies but he will be back at spurs he will work socks off to get fit in pre-season be ready for the start of the season if a move doesn't materialize because listen we're not talking about a £10 million transfer here. We're talking about mega money and take offer um, either cash or players to entice him away from that football club. And if that happens, then good luck to whoever buys him. Um, but there's a lot of steps ahead of both Harry Kane, Spurs and whoever, whoever buys him for this move to go ahead. They can't just do it overnight. It's going to take a lot of um, a lot of movement. So move to, not going to training for me is not the answer, um, unfortunately. You know what I mean? We've all been there where we don't want to go. But sure. 60 right seconds, mate. Yeah, I um, I don't think it's the right it's a tough way to question, do it. By the way, it is really hard, especially in sixty seconds. I just think with any player, look, look, Harry Kane, as Tony said, he's, he's such a professional. But I do think if a player can do things like this, it's a bit of a problem because if he can do it at Spurs, the club he's come through at and loves, he can do it at any club, which is maybe a little bit of a red red flag. For potential, um, you know, like future, future clubs, I guess. But I think generally, I do think there was just an agreement, and maybe Daniel Levy's dragging his feet a bit in the sale. However, I will put another question to you just before you have the second. Tell me why, um, Andy? Do you think that Jack Grealish signing for to Man City for from Villa for a hundred million does that complicate things a little bit? Because I'm imagining Harry Kane isn't going for less than 120 mil. Because can Man City, they've got the money, of course, but with financial fair play rules, is spending, you know, 120 million going to be doable? Um, doable, yes. 
Um, is it is it within the financial fair play rules? And I'm I'm confused because the financial fair play rules are supposed to be there to to make it fair and equal and to try and even things out um, on um, obviously income, um, obviously the, the the stadium and etc. You know what I mean? The way that the way that clubs are run. Listen, they've got they've got enough money to go and buy the, buy those kind of players ten times over. But does it make it fair for the rest of the Premier League? No, I don't believe that they'll buy. Um, so I think there's a there's a there's a rabbit away somewhere. You know what I mean? I think is it a smoke screen? Will it, will it get Harry Kane is going on behind the scenes? Is 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 the interest in Jack Grealish? No, um, Jack Grealish is signed. I don't he? know. Has you it been mean? announced? You know, I don't know. Well, I don't think it's been announced, has it? You know what I mean? But I just think I just think. I think there's something going to happen very soon. I, I'm not sure Man City are the, are the team for Harry Kane. Um, I'd love to see him in a, in a red United shirt. I know obviously Tony won't with being, uh, um, mm -hmm. being Leeds, but I think uh, I think United are missing one number. Number nine for United would make the Premier League interesting for United and for every, every other team. I'm not a Man United fan, but I just think um, it would make the league very interesting for a number of teams. Yeah, he, uh, and number nine, once Cavani leaves at the end, of, you know, he's probably going to retire or go back to a um, South America at the end of this season. So I think a number nine for United is like the final piece in the jigsaw for some. And Harry Kane fits the bill if he can stay fit. Um, Tony, very quickly, were you surprised when you read that he hadn't turned up for training? Uh, yes, I was, because he would probably be one of the, you know, the last people uh, I would expect to do that because he has been so professional. And he has stuck by Spurs. He had You've had numerous offers before to go here, there, and everywhere, but he's he's stuck there, and he's I think he's he's hoped and hoped and hoped every single season the recruitment that the team would get better and closer to the top three or four, but uh, they didn't. They went backwards last season. Uh, that agreement, I'm, I'm you know certain, was struck, and uh, and this is him saying, you know, I'm not going to be talked around. This is what's happening, so you better sort it out. And uh, it's not the great way to go. You know, I wouldn't like to be doing that, and I, I never have done like that. But I think. Uh, that horse bolted a long, long time ago. The, the you know power certainly is with the players, and it takes a, a huge club and, a, and a, a big wealthy chairman to say no. You know we'll keep that hundred million pound player unhappy on the bench and not playing or whatever. You know we all know that's not going to happen. So uh, something has to work out one way or the other. Yeah, there's a few um, very interesting transfer sagas, and in there, if you think like Pogba is getting to the last year of his yeah. contract and has turned out a contract, Grealish looks like he's could be on his way. Yeah. Harry Kane. They're all... I also think. I also think as well. Spurs have been quite unlucky over the over the past what probably 10, 15 years in terms of um, big players leaving. I love Sol Campbell debacle. I mean, leaving on the free transfer and going um, obviously to a local rival. Yeah, you know what I mean. The only way that um, Spurs make the kind of money is right is 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 it. Tiara. Stuff for me, you know, he's going to go to a rival again, and I think Spurs fans will feel a little bit let down again. And and, and with him being a hero and a cult hero um, of the nation, um, never mind just as Spurs fans. And he goes back to obviously the new ground. Um, he's going to get dogs abuse, and and you know, what I mean, it's a shame, isn't it? Because for a player to be loved uh, up as a young young, um, I would I would have hated to to play for Middlesbrough, for example, and then go away and come back and not be not be loved by by my, by my hometown club. It would have been. Would have been heartbreaking, you know what I mean? But I suppose money talks sometimes and uh, he wants to go and win things. He's passionate, but you know what I mean? To not turn up for me, and I, like I said in my little uh, 60 seconds, that that's not the right thing to do and the right way to go about it. And if he's going to move, then someone will buy him and, and, and money talks. You know what I mean? Daniel Levy's, listen, for, for someone Harry's age, if a club comes in with a big enough offer, he's a businessman. He knows that he's not going to get that money next year or the year after. You know what I mean? He would act it. 
just what I'll make. Um, okay, so on to the next uh, Tell Me Why, um, which is nice and easy. Uh, very, very quickly, I just want to say a really big thank you. Uh, we've had two super chats. Uh, we had one from Gaz. He says, a little contribution for the best podcast in the game and the professional job the side did last week under pressure with tech issues. Well in, lads. Uh, I appreciate that, mate. Thank you very much. I, I appreciate that. And um, there was another one, a, a whopping uh, from Donna Perry. She says, we all love the show. And uh, this is from Will Melush, who requested that his sweepstake winnings came to Ace Podcast Nation. Well, all I can say is a massive thank you to uh, Donna for making the donation. But of course, uh, Will, uh, that's incredible. Really appreciate that, mate. And um, any money which sort of been donated for Super Chats and stuff, it all goes back into creating content and whatnot and uh, new shows but i cannot tell you how much that's appreciated and uh, and welcome i really thank you guys um so the uh, the second tell me why subject is just as simple as the first uh tony dirigo you've got 60 seconds and the subject is uh stuart downing has retired um i'd like to kind of discuss his career his legacy from his playing career and uh just a bit of a tribute, if you like, to Stuart Downing's career. Um, obviously, an ex-England international and whatnot. Um, it's quite a tricky one, but uh, we'll see how we go. Uh, your 60 seconds start Not now. for me. Not for me. <laughs> no, I think Stuart Downing, as actually my, my Middlesbrough supporting partner, uh, has told me is an absolute hero. So, uh, uh, and not only at Borough, like so many other clubs, he, uh, you know, he certainly played extremely well and of course you know left-sided tricky winger uh i think it's the longevity as well he's done it at you know lots and lots of clubs i think it was at the villa west ham as well and all you know all around the place uh blackburn is at his final final port of call i think but yeah to keep having that uh, i think uh, ability hunger and uh, you know to keep showing you know what he can do and i think what you also know when someone like that plays for that length of time at that level you know they're uh, you know, a really good pro, really good, uh, you know, spot on to be around. So uh, lots of good managers signed him and he's had a one heck of a career. And uh, what did he get to, 36 or 37, something like that? So, yeah, uh, I think certainly he lasted was, uh, around that, yeah. You know, that's, yeah, that's that's really impressive. But uh, yeah, I think, um, fortunately, he played on the left-hand side. So I probably didn't quite cross over with him. Otherwise, I would have kicked in on no. the right. That's your 60 seconds. But uh, yeah, no, you're, you're 100% right. Uh, in everything you say um and i gotta say as well stuart was a absolute tremendous guest when we had him on the show uh he was one of the first guests when we changed the format to the to the football show rather than the championship show and uh he was absolutely tremendous he was really really good uh he made uh 35 appearances for england which uh, is a good you know and he played all through the ages as well from 16 all the way up to first team tremendous stuff but uh andy campbell I know you're going to enjoy this, my friend. So uh, you have 60 seconds to, to talk about Stuart Downing's career as he's retired. Go. Oh, listen, I don't think there's enough uh, positives to talk about, Stewie. Um, cracking player, cracking lad. Um, but as a player, uh, fantastic ever Middlesbrough player, uh, in my opinion. You know what I mean? We've had some we've had some crackers. We've had some class players. But for me, he's, he's come through the ranks. He's deserved everything he's got. Um, he's got winners medals. He's got UEFA UEFA Cup uh, runners up medal. Um, got his moves. Kenny Dalglish signed him at Liverpool. He's, he's he's moved across the board. He's played Premier Leagues. He's he's won plenty of trophies. He's been involved in World Cup squads. Uh, like our great guest today tonight. And 
I just think he's he just deserves that recognition of being a top player, top professional. Because I think sometimes when you retire, you don't get that recognition what you what you thoroughly deserved. He he played as long as he could. Um, he's gone out with his own terms, which I think is absolutely fantastic. Um, uh, and I think he deserves all the credit he gets. And I hope somewhere down the line there's a space for him within football somewhere because I know he still loves the game. He's passionate about the clubs that he's played for. He's got a great reputation. Um, the players love playing with him. The fans have have gotten great. Oh, listen, what a great question, by the way. I, I, I love that because Stewie, obviously, Stewie's obviously a friend of mine. Um, I grew up watching. He grew up watching me. Um, I enjoyed watching him once, obviously, when I moved on. And um, I, I don't, I'll probably say it, but at the same as well, it, Tony, you probably agree when you played with players as well that left-footed players become so special because I don't know what it is. It's, it's the technique. It's 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 the you know. Left-footed players, there's, there's a million of them. They just the left-footed players stand out a lot more. It's technique, ability. They're just because there's not that many of them, and it was just, he just, it was just a joy to be around to watch from the stands, to watch from the training pitch. When he came through at Middlesbrough, I could just tell we had a we had a player in our hands. Um, and I was probably probably giving him a little bit of disrespect at the time that you, you think he's not ready and you think he's not going to get to the for, for me the level we he thoroughly deserved them. I'd probably uh, caps. For England, because of um, players playing out of position at the time, it was probably Frank and Stevie Gerrard playing out there at times. You know what I mean? Whereas Stu would have given us a little bit more control balance um, because we didn't have that left-sided play at the time. But for me, 35 caps, uh, Premier League appearances, uh, playing for his hometown club twice. You know, he lived the dream and more. And, and uh, yeah, fair play to him. And I know he's. Uh, I know he's currently in a in a beta, um, enjoying it with his little his little girl and his family and his wife. So you know, we fair play to him. Good stuff. Tony, do you see uh, a future in management for Stuart Downing or do you think he's more likely to go the media route? Or uh, To be honest, it, it really is up to him. You know, what he enjoys, what he wants, does he want to go uh, kind of back in that pressure situation or just want to coach, you know, enjoy the game or, or do what I do now is commentate and, and punditry and what have you. So, uh, you know, the, the options are there for him, but um, I'm sure, you know, whichever one he takes up, with uh, all his experience, he'll do a you know a great job. But make sure whatever it is, you know that that he himself enjoys it. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure we'll uh, we'll see him back in some format or other. Great stuff, um, Tony. We got already got loads of questions in the live chat, so I feel like now's a good chance to to throw a couple at you. Um, Donna Perry says, "What football team do you now support, Tony?" Um, I don't want to be like a politician, but I'm going to mm -hmm. come out with the lines here because. Listen, when you are growing up in Australia and you've got all these dreams about, you know, playing over in England and what have you, I just delighted to play for every single team that I played for. And, and Villa gave me my chance. So I'll never, ever forget that. I had some great times at Chelsea, which I'm sure we'll come on to a little bit later. Uh, then, of course, we won the title at Leeds United. And what an experience it was over in Torino. And uh, Jim Smith, uh, you know, at Derby was wonderful. So it's it's great. And I look out for them all. But there is one that I'll say look out for first. And I'm an ambassador now. For Leeds United, so it is uh, Leeds. I commentate on them home and away as well, and do some TV stuff. So, uh, yeah, um, I, I must admit, I, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed everywhere that I went. But uh, Leeds, uh, yeah, it is my team. Good shout, good shout. Um, Paul Hipkiss says, uh, "What was it like to be amongst the 1990 World Cup squad? And uh, do you have any funny Gaza stories?" Uh, the podcast only has about 40 minutes left, so uh, we, we clearly can't go into them all. Uh, half, of the, half of them will be ruled out by just, I, I can't just you know, obviously put some of the stuff out there. Uh, yeah, yeah, the 1990 World Cup was, um, 
what an experience it was. And what was interesting is now, if you imagine social media, you know, the players are always within fingertips of every single bit of information of what's going on. But we were locked away in, in Sardinia, you know, in our training camp. So we didn't really see too much until, of course, we got to the games and back. But when we eventually arrived home into Luton Airport and there's 200,000 people there, you know, we've got open top buses and you think, my God, you know, the, the country's gone nuts. And uh, it was fantastic. You know, we, we weren't favourites to start with. We just got better and better. We fell on a formation that really worked for us. But if you go through the team, uh, we had oh, some good players and great balance to the side as well. You know, leaders at the back as well. So uh, it was a great experience. It really was. And Gaza, of course, was always uh, in the middle of it all. Um, what one clean one can I tell you? I know. Right. There was a there was a golf event and we got sponsored by Wilson Golf Club. So uh, we're in Sardinia in our training camp and we actually stayed on the golf course as well. And we got sponsored by Wilson. And so we all had new clubs, new bags and everything else. And there was a promotional day. And uh, we're going to go out in four balls and play together. And the cameras were here then everywhere. Of course, I got drawn to play with Gaza. And so on the tee, it's obviously 2v2. So we were trying to collect the balls to see which pair is going to play against each other. By the time we're looking around for Gaza, he's pulled up in his, his buggy. He's put his ball down. He's hit it. He's driven off already. We already have four England players in the fairway. Everyone's ducking for Gaza's ball. He drives on. He was my partner. He finished an hour and 10 minutes before me. He just played through everyone. Of course, I lost because I was playing against two. It was 2v1, for God's sake. But that's what he was like. And everyone thought it was hysterical and funny. And, you know, but that, that's what he was like. Unfortunately, when you're away as well for six, seven weeks at a time, you need those jokers. You need those sort of people. Uh, but I must admit, I room with Gaza once and once only. And uh, sometimes just little doses of Gaza is OK. But full on was a, was a challenge. <laughs> Yeah, I know, um, enough, Andy, obviously, obviously you played with Gaza as well, didn't you? Yeah. I mean, yeah, listen, it, it, you know I mean? To, 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 to be in the same team, to be in the same team as him and to be in the same changing room as him, but I agree with Tony, you know, I, I didn't share a room with him. Um, I enjoyed his changing room banter. Um, I think Smart. he got us through the two seasons. What He got us, he got us promoted. Um Single-handedly, you know what I mean, with his with his togetherness, with his with his banter, with his attitude, and his quality obviously shines through. But um, I think uh, I think as a young player, you know what I mean, you just take the snippets out of the good things what he did, what what he did, and 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 how he how he handled himself on the training pitch. And I think that was that was key for me. You know what I mean? That he yeah. his attributes and his ability was just unquestionable. And the biggest regret for me was you know probably as a, as a young age. Um, when he probably moved to Spurs, if he'd gone to United and Fergie could have got hold of that his whole lifestyle probably could have been a little bit different. And yeah, but then would, would it have taken away from his his camaraderie and how fun he was and 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 you know what I mean and the fun guys and the, and the brilliant side and the caring side he had because everyone sometimes focuses on the negatives of Paul and um, and for me you've got to look at the positives and uh, and remember the genius he was on the pitch and the fun he was on off the pitch as well because it just it just made him the whole package for me. Yeah, absolutely. And people ask me, you know, who your best player ever played with, and it's always Gaza. Uh, simply because uh, we were in the England 21 squad together. I was the captain, trying to control him. Obviously, it was impossible. <laughs> However, just give him the ball and let him go and do his stuff. But when we both then got through to the full squad, you know, suddenly we're playing against, you know, Brian Robson, Gary Lineker, Chris Waddle, John Barnes. Yet this little Geordie kid is having a yard of space, a second more time than anyone else you know these are the best players in england and this guy gaza it was just outstanding so uh yeah he was something else he was one heck of a player uh, always fun to be around and you're right it's just a shame that uh, i agree with you andy that you know on the football pitch he was just spot on 
uh, he, if he could yeah. could have taken that off the pitch, uh, I, I think then, um, yeah. you know, he would have had uh, one heck of a career and then possibly, you know, one of the best players in the world. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, I don't know about going Manchester United. I'm not sure anyone could have could have mm-hmm. done uh, con- contain Gaza. Uh, <laughs> I think- but, but by being around him, he was just, you know, amazing. Enjoy him while he was there. And that's what we did. I think Tony is so interesting, yeah. like not just in football, but um, like sports, music. So often, you know, films everywhere in in sort of entertainment, if you like, industries. So many uh, geniuses are also maybe a little bit flawed away from what they do, whether it's sport or art or whatever it may be. Um, you know, it's not just Gaza by any means. And over the years, there's been so many. Um, it just seems to be something which comes along with that spark of genius unfortunately um and it's part of their characters and i agree with you i think even though and there's been players which fergie has not been able to control over the years you know you look at ravel morrison um who was often tipped as being as good as gaza but was never has never really realized his potential so i don't think necessarily that fergie would have been able to perhaps um what's the word kind of maybe tame him a little bit off the pitch, but you know, is where it is. Um, last question from the chat very for a while, and then we'll let uh, Mr. Campbell loose with some questions on you. Uh, but uh, James Costley would like to know um, why you chose to play for England over Australia. When I was, uh, I came over at 15 years of age to, uh, to Aston Villa. Um, and then I got into the first team at 18 and about five or six games into my, my Villa career uh, Australia asked me to play for them and I was you know absolutely honored um, but the problem was that the international calendars weren't aligned as they are today and Australia asked me to go and play I think it was against uh, American Samoa I didn't even know there was an American Samoa at that time Fiji New Zealand you know someone else someone else in a short space of time for these qualifiers and I remember being so excited going in to see the manager at the time and explaining this, that, uh, you know, I'm going to play against American Samoa and New Zealand. He says, Tony, you've just got into the first team at Aston Villa at 18. We're going to Old Trafford. We're going to go play at Highbury. You know, are you really telling me you want to go and play against, you know, American Samoa? Uh, I said, well, yeah, I'd like to. He said, well, you're not. So get out of there and uh, make sure you're fit and ready for the game on Saturday because, you know, the club had the control and power and uh, the players certainly didn't. And I couldn't just take four or five weeks off uh, and miss you know, playing for Villa. So that kind of put an end to, to that. Uh, then a year or two after that, England came to me and said, you do know by applying for residency after five years, you can then get a British passport and then you can choose which country you'd like to play for. Uh, we'd like you to play for us. So if you could uh, hang on and, and do that. And um, that's the, the choice that I made. So um, I didn't ever pull on the, uh, the green and gold uh, of Australia, I decided to go with England, and uh, I'm loving the weather so much. I'm still here. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is that? Um, is there any sort of regret there that you never got to represent Australia? Uh, it is, of course, because I was born and bred there. You know, and uh, I very much follow a lot of things about Australia. My family are all still, you know, out there as well. Uh, but I really didn't feel I had, uh, you know, much of a choice at all because well, they said no it's as simple as that now it would be very different if i had the same decision to make now uh you know players go but down to south america players go to australia they can go back wherever they want because the games are at the same time you play your couple of games and you come back 
uh, I just didn't have that opportunity. So, uh, yeah, actually, that's interesting. Australia beat them 31-0. I think the game that I missed was uh, someone, it was 24 or 25 nil or whatever it is, or maybe it wasn't that 31. Someone scored 14 goals. An Aussie striker scored 14 goals in the same game. Uh, which is the most kind of in the world. Say, so, that's got to be a world record, sure. I think it has to be a world record. And I missed that game. I could have scored as well. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's I think it's interesting as well, Tony, that um, that now Australia play games in the UK at times. You know what I mean? Because a lot of the players that are based in the, in, in in around Europe, and I, I think obviously they're traveling. You know what I mean? Like like your managers. Yeah. I don't want you missing too many games because when you come back, if you play a game on the Wednesday or the Thursday and you do to play on the Saturday or the Sunday, it's just it would just be impossible. So it's, you're not just missing one game anymore; you're missing two and three potentially. And yeah, like you say, it's a big risk. You know what I mean? Because with it all being aligned now, like you say, because all the World Cup qualifiers are at the same time of the, of, of the calendar, um, the the end of the seasons, everything's just just it, within its time space. The, the majority of the Australian players now are playing. Um, in a more competitive league, even though their league's a lot more is is a, is a lot better than it than it used to be, which is which is which is pleasing. Um, but and I only know that from obviously Max Water when he played at Middlesbrough that he loved going back to play for Australia, he loved representing him for his country. But he was always away for long periods, which it did have an impact on us as a club. You know what I mean? Because obviously he was our number one, and when he didn't come back um, at the times that we needed him to come back, obviously on a Friday when we were doing work to to prepare for a big game that. He ended up didn't play, and we lost a few points along the way, and it did have a huge impact on us staying in the division that that season. So it's uh, you know what I mean. It's not his fault, obviously, but it's it, if clubs do, and especially back in the day, they had a lot of more power, um, yeah, in in order to choose for players to go and play for the country. And it's you know I mean, there's nothing prouder, you know what I mean, uh, to Tony to play for England at the moment, to to want to play for his country in Australia was it's, it's brilliant, and and and, and for the viewers to. To understand that it's such a proud moment to represent that anyone's country, you know what I mean? We had Paul Devlin on the show two weeks ago, um, born and bred Brummie, you know what I mean? Proudest, proudest Brummie in the world, but his dad was Scottish and he played for Scotland and uh, supported him in the Euros and, and, and wasn't bothered if England won, won lost a draw. And he's, you know what I mean? He's a proud Scotsman now. And, and I love that. I love the, the way his desires and obviously his alliance has changed. And it's just, it just shows that. You don't have to be born in a certain country. It's your, it's your it's your heritage, it's your family, and it's your desire to want to better yourself as a player as well. Sometimes it's not just about where you're born and where you're bred, because it's uh, it's where the opportunity lands and where opportunity falls as well, which is which is a the pleasing thing. Yeah, and I think also it's not as if you know I've I've played for a few years and then gone back to Australia and and that's it. You know, I, I've made my home here. I was, I was always going to. So I think uh, yeah, I, you know. I'm, yeah. I'm very proud to have, uh, have done what I've done with England. I had some great experiences, and um, yeah, I, I wouldn't change it the world. But it doesn't, you know, stop me thinking that uh, I would have liked that green and gold, you know, at the time because uh, yeah, that would have been uh, wonderful as well. The icing on the cake, I guess, uh, would have a phenomenal career, I guess, as well. But I mean, look, you had a, a, a fantastic career both as an international player and as a you know with all the great clubs you played for. Um, Obviously, we've had a few questions where people have asked about, you know, who's the the best player you played with, etc. Which you mentioned was Gaza. Um, but an interesting question, which I just noticed, um, Paul Hipkiss asked uh, you both to name the best eleven from the players that you have played alongside, off the top of your head. Which I think is a difficult question, off the top of your head. But uh, if you're both willing to give it a crack, like um, we'll go to Tony first. <laughs> 
Um, That's a difficult one. Goalkeeper. Uh, let's yes. start with a goalie. Who's the best goalkeeper um, you've ever played with? Well, obviously David Seaman and Schultz were, were there. Uh, I know they're not bad, but Nigel Martin. Uh, I'd probably go Nigel. I mean, he was. Uh, yes. He certainly was some keeper. And uh, yeah, he was one uh, you know, heck of a player. So uh, there's my goalie. Go on, Andy. What's your goalie? Um, oh, I've had a, I've, I've had a, I've had a couple. Uh, Richard Wright, Paul Robinson, obviously ex Leeds. I'm going to go for Max Water. Um, I noticed I just thought he was, he was, he was immense. Uh, coming from where he came from, Germany to Bradford, then stepping up to Middlesbrough within a short space of time. I thought he, he left a legacy within the Premier League. Uh, being Australian, I thought he was, uh, he's I'm doing a doing obviously the punditry stuff now, which just shows that the class of the man. I think he was, he was superb. So yeah, I'm going to go, Mark. I think right back, uh, Mel Sterling that leads that, that uh, first year that I played with him, he unfortunately got injured, his Achilles, and then uh, not long after, you know, really struggled with uh, with that and retired. But uh, but Steve Clark as well at Chelsea, uh, he was a heck of a right back. So yeah. Scotland manager now, yeah. but uh, Scotland international. Uh, yeah, I thought he, uh, I thought we, as fullback pairing, we did rather well. And uh, yeah, so I'll go for Clarky, I think. I think he was quite underrated, yeah. Steve Clark, I've got to yeah. say. Um, yeah. Yeah, was it? Andy Campbell, who's your right back, mate? Uh, right back, I'm going to go off. Uh, I know he's played wide right before. I'm going to go Kieran Dyer. Um, obviously, he made a, a name for himself in the England setup as a right back. Uh, I played with him at the 21s, and he had he had everything as a fullback. He could uh, he could play open high and wide as a wing back, but he could defend as well. He had pace to burn. He could tackle. And if it wasn't for the injuries that he picked up. Um, the middle of his career at Newcastle, especially, he could have gone on to be a being a phenomenal player, to have an even better career. But I thought he was uh, he was excellent as well. But yeah, Kieran, Kieran died for me right back. Okay. A couple of centre halves for me. Um, I'm I'm thinking the type of player that's probably gone slightly out the game now, and that's absolute leaders. And I played with two huge ones, huge ones, and that Tony Adams and the Terry Butcher. Uh, my goodness, you know that that's a that's a pairing. What's uh, a pairing? They were just, you know, so inspirational and phenomenal players. But, you know, as a as a leader in a dressing room, I'm not sure you can beat those two. And uh, I think the likes of, I think, Chrissy Fairclough and Chris White, they were like silent centre-halves who would run through brick walls. They were incredible pairing. But as absolute leaders, I'd go for, for Butch and, uh, and Tony Adams. OK, I, I tell you what, there is not many better centre-half pairings than those two, got to say. Um, Andy Campbell, can you better that as a set, that centre-half pairing? I don't think I don't think I can better it as a pairing. Uh, I'm going to go individually uh, because uh, just just for the way that, that that these two players probably match up for me. But we spoke about pairs, didn't we, during the Euros and, and the shows? Obviously, John Stones, um, um, and Harry Maguire, um, Kalini and Benucci. But the the two that Tony just mentioned, the run power with those those kind of players, and they would just fit. Just fitting to those, those 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 kind of uh, just images now, just absolutely fantastic. Now, my two, I'm going for. I'm going for Rio, uh, Rio Ferdinand, just Rolls Royce. You know what I mean? For me, the best defender I've ever played against. Um, best defender I, I played with as well. He came out with the ball. He had everything that you wanted for a, a modern day footballer. Could uh, head, could tackle, could pass, could dribble out. He just had. He was. He was world class. Uh, I'm going to pick a friend of the show as well. I'm going to go Danny Gabidon. Um, to play with him Shout. at the age where I played with him coming through, uh, I thought he was excellent. Um, the game which really stood out for me with Danny was um, I watched him against uh, uh, Italy for Wales at the Millennium Stadium. Um, yep. He man marked Del Piero, and not many people uh, can can do that. Uh, Danny did it when he played for Cardiff City in League One, um, and then obviously and he was that was so that young, was the end mate, of Danny. as well, wasn't he? Um, 
Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was very young, and that was the end of him. He goes and signs to West Ham, and 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 he took over the Premier League, and that was it. Then, if he wasn't, then again, his injuries took over a little bit. But uh, for me, I think he was uh, another similar mould as Rio. Um, so yeah, Rolls Royce type of players. But for me, pace for uh, for that for for my pairing, I've gone down. Interesting. This is Tony. So um, you, the defender, you've gone for Tony Adams, Terry Butcher, Steve Clark. I would say quite physical players. Quite um, very good defensively. Andy Campbell, the striker, has gone for Kieran Dyer, Rio Ferdinand, and Danny Gabadon, who are more footballers, technically very good, pacey. Very interesting how these teams are developing. Who's your left back, Tony? Uh, me, obviously, and we're going to keep Absolutely. a clean sheet. So that, that's it. I mean, there's, there's <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to move into midfield now because I'm playing in this one because this looks Absolutely. a good team. Um, midfield. Now I played with some ah, some wonderful players, obviously with, with England, what have you. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go as a whole four, and the the Leeds United midfield that, that won the title. So Strachan on the right, Speedo Gary Speed on the left, David Batty and Gary McAllister. Um, uh, as a balance, as a midfield four, they had a bit of absolutely everything, and um, yeah, some really talented players there. Uh, and David Batty, you know, I, I must admit, if I was ever in the trenches, going to war, I want that guy alongside me because, uh, you know, he was absolutely phenomenal. And maybe not appreciated uh, outside of, uh, you know, his teammates, but I tell you what, uh, he was tremendous as well. So that's going to be my midfield four. I also think Gordon Strachan was an underrated footballer. Um, I think he was actually a better footballer than people give him credit for. He wasn't just, you know, physical, a good, aggressive midfielder. I think he was quite a good footballer as well. Um, well he, he, sorry, just on that, he wasn't yeah. actually aggressive at all. In that, he was one of the cleverest players. actually my most difficult opponent. And I say okay. that because he was smart. He would go into areas of the pitch that would drag me, you know, out of my position. I didn't want to go deep and inside. And that's where he would be. So by the time I get to him, the ball's already gone past me. And certainly at Manchester United, Mark Hughes is then holding the ball up. You know, I've got to now run back the other way 20 yards and then Strachan gets it in 10 yards of space. So, you know, a really clever player. So I, I always found it yeah. not straightforward. You know, he wouldn't Amazing. want to take me on on the right wing because that is more my strength. But he would go places which were his strength. So a really clever, but as you say, really technically you know, gifted as well. Like it. Um, Andy, so we need from you a left back and then a midfield four. Uh, I've, been going, I've been really fortunate here because I'm, get, I'm getting a little bit of an opportunity to think of my players, so it's great. Uh, left back, I've gone for Christian Zieger. Um, very lucky to play with him at Middlesbrough. His left foot was something to die for. His, his set pieces, the way that he was ping a ball from left to right. Uh, the way that I played was great because he would pick me out the eye of a needle from long distance, which was absolutely fantastic. Um, I've gone for um, my midfield. I've gone for a tight three with, uh, with uh, uh, a number 10 behind two centre-forwards. So my tight three... Uh, in the centre, I've gone for Paul Gascoigne. I've gone for Frank Lampard. I've gone for Steven Gerrard. Uh, those three. Listen, um, there's goals there. There's there's a bit of aggression there. There's uh, bombing on. I think we've got a we've got some passing, some intricate play. Uh, I'm a number, my number ten who's going to float here, then everywhere. I've gone for the little magician at Middlesbrough, Janino, uh, because for me, I, I was so lucky at Middlesbrough to play with the Gazers, and then Janino came, and it was just like for like that. You've gone from one magician to another magician. Um, and you give him the ball in any position. Um, he can make something happen. Um, and as a centre forward or a wide player, just a dream because you get into those pockets, those areas. He can pick a pass out. You know, what I mean, he sees it. He probably sees the pass before you see your run or you're making your run. It's just, it was just a, an amazing opportunity as a young player. 
to play with those kind of players and to play with them and to, to, to pick the best bits like earlier on from these kind of players. But um, before before Tony moves on to centre forwards, by the way, what a question. Whose question was this? This is a this is the best uh, question we've ever had. Chris. It is phenomenal. People are loving it as well. It's uh, really good. Really good. Might have to make this a regular deal. Um, so, uh, what I would like from you, Tony Dorigo, is your two strikers and a manager. Oh, and a manager. Um, I'm not going to have the two strikers. I'm going to, obviously, because the best player I played with is Gaza. So, I'm going to have to put him in there uh, okay. behind the striker. But Gaza can go where he wants and do what he wants because I've got a midfield four in there that will do the the things at the back that he can then go and play. Uh, my striker, uh, I played with a few good ones, really good ones. Um, obviously, Lee Chapman at, at Leeds, but then Kerry Dixon at Chelsea. Uh, was fun. What a phenomenal goal scorer he was. But with England, uh, righty, Alan Shearer. Uh, but I'm going to go Gary Lineker because Links, I must admit, wow. as a one-touch finisher, I'm not sure I've seen better. It doesn't matter what type of ball ever came into the box. He would just slot it home first time it could be bouncing it could be in the air and uh, he couldn't actually thump it from 30 yards but i tell you what 18 yards and in i've never seen you know anything better so uh i think with all that uh, ability i've got in midfield and gaza i need someone just to put the ball in the back of the net that's lineker there we go yeah so i am um, funny enough i think a few weeks back i said um, I can't remember if it was on one of our shows and or if it was on with Kev. Um, I said that, um, in my opinion, the best two finishers the Premier League have ever seen. And I said specifically, like you just said, sort of first time finishers, instinctive finishers for me was Van Nistelrooy and Gary Lineker because they were so instinctive and they could, like you say, first just one touch finish, gone. They would shoot early before the keeper could set himself. It's just uh, phenomenal finishers. Um so what we'll do, Andy, you give us your uh, two up top and then we'll go to the managers. Um, I'm going to have one sub as well, so I'll happily go on the bench just for these two centre-forwards alone. So my two <laughs> centre-forwards, I'm going for Fabrizio Ravinelli um, and Michael Owen uh, because I can't I can't not leave. I can't leave one of them out. Um, so I will happily sit on the bench just for them two, just, just, just for this once. Uh, Michael was just a dream to play with. Um, his... I knew at 14, 15, um, coming through the England setup, that he was a world-class footballer already. And trying to keep up the stat had and try to try to match him at that young age was just impossible. Um, I managed to obviously make my debut at a similar time in the Premier League, but to hit all the, he was hitting at that 18 to play in the World Cup, scoring goals in the major tournament. I mean, you never it never be repeated at that level the way that he was doing it for Liverpool. You know, what I mean, to play the team that he did, um, and obviously his partner Ravinelli. His first season, his first goal, um, his first game against Liverpool, scored a hat-trick, um, scored 30-plus that season. Um, yes, we got relegated, but uh, probably shouldn't have with what happened, but we got us to cup finals, scored at Wembley um, against Leicester City. A legend of a man, a brilliant footballer. He obviously won the Champions League two days before he signed for Middlesbrough, as you do, that yeah, Middlesbrough had that kind of pull at the time to sign Premier League and, and Champions, League, Champions League winners, so it was just a, a surreal time, but yeah. Two unbelievable players, and I think to be fair, I think they could probably do well together with the with the statue with with Fab being a, a bigger player and Michael running in behind and Fab being more of a up player. I think that, I think they'd probably compare and play will play really well. So, um, so Andy, you benched yourself. Um, I've got to say, the yeah. only defensive player in your side is your goalkeeper. But so it could be like fifteen <laughs> all. Um, but then Tony's Tony's team is looking solid. 
but uh, two phenomenal teams. Uh, Paul, who, who asked the question originally, has also requested that you both name a captain as well as a manager. So, um, Tony, uh, out of your team, who would be the captain and uh, who would be your manager? I'll let uh, Tony Adams and Butch fight each other out for that one. I'm not sure who's <laughs> going to win. Uh, but I think my manager uh, would be Bobby Robson because he, he would be able to handle all of those different characters and, of course, has handled uh, Gaza to, to great effect. But uh, Bobby was just uh, what a wonderful guy, wonderful character. You know, he believed in you so much. He had great passion, great knowledge. He would get names mixed up, but that made you love him even more. So uh, Bobby Robson would be the manager. Good start. And uh, what about you, Mr. Great. Campbell? Who's captain and your manager, mate? Um, my captain, I've got Stevie G. Um, I think he's a, he's, a, he's a born leader. You could tell from a younger age. Um, and obviously throughout his Liverpool career, the trophies that he's lifted. Stevie uh, G for my uh, um, from, from manager, um, it won't be Dave Jones, as everyone probably thinks. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go for. No, it was our two. Um, Howard Wilkinson obviously played a big part in me in England under 21 setup, but I'm going for Brian Robson. Um, and the reason why, because for me personally, he, he impacted on me. Um, he, he, he was like, he was like a father figure on and off the pitch. He was, he was great for me. So yeah, I'm gonna, go, I'm gonna go for Captain himself uh, for my, uh, for my, uh, for my gaffer. Excellent stuff. Well done, gentlemen. Because I was. Uh... Not not easy on the fly. Great, we, I, we didn't have that great, question, but um, yeah, well done, Paul. That was a great question. I really enjoyed that listening to uh, some no, of the players. I, I, do, I do think. Go on. I do think though. I do think Tony's team would probably win. If I'm honest, I think. Uh, well, I think they Tony's wouldn't concede any goals. Get no. goals. We could defend. Yeah, well, exactly. For and if they get in front, screwed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, obviously butchered. Uh, but you'd have his uh, have his have his blood headband on again. It'd be it'd be heading and kicking everything. It'd be yeah. I'll uh, tell you what, it'd be a decent game though. It'd be a decent game. I think I, I probably uh, need Keegan as my manager. Probably need Keegan as my manager. Andy, you've got the, the the super sub extraordinaire on the bench in yourself. Exactly. There is that. There is that. So it'd be have just like the Millennium so. Stadium, wouldn't it? One nil. Yeah, we'd win it next time. Hundred and fourteenth minute. Yeah. <laughs> um. Excellent. That no, was phenomenal. I was really loved listening. Just some of the players you both played with, you know, from incredible, incredible players. Um, Tony Al Baker says, uh, Hi, Tony. Did you have any superstitions when you were playing? And who was the striker you were most worried about coming up against? Uh, I didn't have any superstitions. I think a lot of uh, players did. Um, goalkeepers. Um, they're all crazy anyway, but some of them did as well. But me, no, the only thing I would like to do is go out uh, third, you know, in a line when we going out to the pitch. But uh, kind of that, that is about it. So uh, I don't believe in kind of luck and all that sort of stuff. You make your own luck and, um, you know, you get on with it. But um, yeah, uh, I think uh, certainly we have teammates that do all sorts of strange very strange stuff and, you know, put one sock on first and all this sort of thing. How can you remember all that rubbish? I mean, just get your gear on, get out there and play and, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, indeed. I, uh, some people take it really far, like superstitions. They mean they're so intense about them. I always remember um, Paul Ince used to come out without his top on until he made it to the pitch. Um, was one, and you know, there's, there's obviously so many over the years. I've never really understood it, but I guess... Football is a superstitious bunch, some of them. Um, Andy, do you have any superstitions, mate? 
like pre-game superstitions or rituals? No, um, not, not at all. I, I agree with Tony. You know what I mean. And sometimes when you uh, when you get invested, it's hard to do the same thing again. You know what I mean. I, I think sometimes you you're superstitious about what you probably what what you eat and what time you eat, but you don't replicate. You can't replicate the same kind of food because you're eating in different places, and it's it's so hard. You know what I mean. I I remember we played I played against uh, Liverpool Anfield, um, my first ever. Uh, Premier League start and I remember walking down the time when uh, obviously walked down and walked back up and all the Liverpool players were obviously um, tapping the sign and touching the sign and, and and you know what I mean that made me think does it give you luck does that you know what I mean so I remember a couple of years down the line I was a little bit more experienced only I was probably only in my 20s um, and I and I touched myself before a game thinking it worked for those kind of players so like see if it worked for me I think we got beat 5-0 I had a nightmare and Never just a couple of chances, so I just thought to myself I was just, I, but I, I was thinking over thing about it. Yeah, I won't do stuff like because I just think it's mm. it's it's certain players. It makes people probably focus more. I won't call it a superstition. You know what I mean? Superstition. I just think putting your left sock on first and then your your right chin pad. It's, you, you can't you can't always replicate it. So and if you have a bad game, you can't blame you can't blame the um, the getting dressed in certain different places <laughs> or different different ways for me. You know what I mean? So you, you, you play well because you're destined to play well. You play well because you're prepared to play well and. And for me, it's just, it's not about you. Sometimes it's about your team. And if you play badly and you win, sometimes you've got to take it and swallow your, swallow your own pride at times. Spot on, mate. Couldn't agree more, I guess. Um, it's it's a weird one, I guess. Um, so many, so many questions in this uh, in this live chat. Um, oh, that's quite a good one. Um, so obviously, uh, Tony, you said uh, Gaza was the best player you played with. But um, what about the best player you played with who never made it to international level? Craig, let's send that question in. Oh, never made it to international level. It's interesting. I, I now do some uh, some keynote speaking for, for companies. And I, I talk about when I was 16 and 17. So we all had those uh, opportunities with young lads at, at uh, you know, at whatever football club it was. And they had some amazing talent, you know, then. And you wonder why one player goes on to do what he does and you know a lot of the other ones who you thought at the time were just incredible and were way better than you and whatever it is you know don't so uh it's purely and for me it's all mindset it really is about uh the mind and that's where that that strength or weakness comes from and that's where these players then either don't develop or they you know do develop but there was one particular player who went on and did okay uh no one will probably remember but a guy called lee palin and uh, Lee Palin was a you know, 16, 17-year-old lad at Aston Villa. I think he went to Forest in the end and what have you. But at one point, like he was just absolutely you know, incredibly talented. But I think we all know players throughout our careers that should have you know, achieved a lot more uh, and certainly didn't. But I think at that, that young age, we, we develop uh, so at different rates. And it's interesting looking back at the players that did because I, I, I thought – there was six or seven. One, one's a postman. One went to jail. One works in Tesco's. One, you know, I'm going back through them all. What happened to them all? Why did they do that? You know, what, what's the difference? And the, but Lee Palin was a, he had incredible ability at that age. Interesting. Andy, was there anyone like looking back at your career who you think kind of was really, you know, super talented and could have perhaps gone on to do more? Well, you expected um, them to I, be I more totally agree specific. what Tony just said, though. It's a, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's about mindset, um, and it's about wanting. You know, I mean, I, I, I've told this story a million times on this show, the championship show about 
um, I wasn't the best player in my youth team. You know what I mean? So never, never mind the first team. And, but I wanted it more than anybody. I would have run over a brick wall and run through a brick wall um, to get where, where I got and to make my debut in the Premier League. So that's why I wanted it more than anybody else. It wasn't about technical ability. It was about desire, pure desire. Um, there's a player, um, or there was a player uh, at Middlesbrough. He came over from Argentina, um, Carlos Marinelli. Uh, he was dubbed the new Messi. He was unbelievable. He was the best player. He would have been the best player I played against if he continued to develop the way that he came. When he came, I played in a reserve game with him. He played Bolton Wanderers away at the at the Reebok. Um, I made I made about seven runs um, in in the full ninety minutes. He put me through one on one seven times with just inch perfect passes. I think I scored six. I looked like a world beater. The next mm. game though, when the, when the manager's picking the the team for the first team game. I didn't play when I had to score in sixth. Carlos getting getting the first, and people start asking questions why and, and and don't see the bigger picture. I knew exactly the reason why because he could pick a pass out of Ivan Needle. He would take people on. He would receive the ball in in between the lines and in between dangerous areas and drive at people. He was an absolute nightmare for the opposition. But dream to play with and. He made a couple of handful of Premier League appearances, but just it just didn't happen for him. He got homesick. He wanted to go back to Argentina, and I think once you make those kind of decisions to go back at a young age and and start mixing with your friends and 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 not really driving the football, it it has an impact, and it certainly had an impact on his career because he was and he would have been, I believe, world class. He was he was looking at Juventus, you know, and has to go to Juventus and and Barcelona and all these top world class sides, but. He couldn't handle being aware, and you know what I mean. And listen, Middlesbrough's not the easiest place to live uh, for probably a local player, um, but for a, an Argentinian, an Argentinian international, youth international, it would have been it would be really difficult. But it just just didn't happen for whatever reason. But yeah, for him, sure. I know obviously up there, at Cardiff. Um, obviously, when I left um, for decent money to sign for Cardiff in a in a in a less than league, I looked at Leon in my first training session and saw a player that I thought would have gone straight into the Premier League and should be playing in the Premier League and it was a shame that he didn't um, probably the people around he made some mistakes off the pitch and, and obviously ended up like Tony says um, in prison and um, he's never really it's such a shame and obviously Tony said it's it's hard. just can't you can't play someone's life out for them and you can't play their football career as well and um, good for Leon as a as a player, but as a person, you you, you live and die by your own decision, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, he was like everyone you speak to, Leon. They say how good Leon Jan, uh, Jean or Jan, like how good he was. You know, I've heard people from QPR say he was literally one of the best players they'd ever seen at that young age. He was just so good, and just yeah. things off the pitch took him in a direction which meant that he never fulfilled that potential. And of course, you know it's sad, isn't it? It's, it's um, you know just f- for him, for his you know his career and his life and stuff, but also what could have been on the pitch as well. Um, you mentioned uh, Andy there about living away, um, and Will's just asked uh, Tony a, a question which kind of fits in with that, um, and it's uh, Will says, "How did the move to Italy and Torino come about for you? For you, and also how, why did you only stay for uh, just about a season?" Um, I didn't really want to leave Leeds at the time, but because I was getting a few injuries, um, they, my new contract, my contract ran out. They offered me a new one when George Graham came and it was a uh, half the money, which I don't know, didn't quite appeal to me uh, at that time. Uh, I then actually was on my way to Middlesbrough, uh, cause Brian Robson gave me a call. Uh, but I can't remember who 
that there was going to be a big signing and I had to wait for that signing and then off I went. But as the, the days ticked by, uh, Graham Sunes was at Torino and he gave me a call uh, and says, you fancy a bit of an, an Italian experience. I was 32 at that age and uh, I thought, yeah, you know, why not? My father's Italian, so uh, I couldn't speak the language. I soon picked it up, but uh, you know, I, I understand a bit more of the, the culture. So it wasn't as I was going in completely blind, but it was uh, it was wonderful. It was absolutely fantastic. And uh, unfortunately, uh, the second year of my contract, uh, my agent, the way that he uh, negotiated the contract, uh, allowed them to wriggle out. It was quite a lot of money in the in the second year. They needed to pay me. And, uh, of course, good old Italians managed to sneak out of that one. Uh, mm. I then went on to, to sue my agent and uh, got the money oh, back okay. that way. Uh, but then that's why I went back to, to Derby County. But I, I think um, as an experience, you know, playing abroad, even just, you know, going abroad from Australia to England was a huge a learning experience for me but going to Italy as well another angle of how football is played how they look after you they were they were head and shoulders uh, above what we were doing in England at the time of course we have caught up now we have such a an influence now that Brown for the best in the world whether it's managers you know physios whatever it may be but going to Italy opened my eyes up to it you know a lot more and uh, I had a wonderful year there uh, and very much enjoyed it. Yeah, Tony, we see so many young players, uh, the opportunities to play away from Britain these days are just incredible all around Europe, around the world. Um, like the scouting systems of clubs around Europe are so good that if you're not getting in your first team as a young age and you're pretty good, you, there's opportunities to play abroad. Is that something that you would recommend to most, you know, all players, I guess, that just to give it a try and experience it, even if you do only do it for a season or two? Absolutely. Uh, and I think now even more so, simply because the pathway to first teams is getting more and more difficult. You know, the Premier League can go out and just buy the best international players uh, that they want. So uh, you're going to have to be a £40 million player just to get straight into your, your team. Now, how many players you know, can do that? There's hardly any. So that pathway, you're getting blocked at uh, you know, kind of that last bit. So you have to go away somewhere. So we've seen a lot go to the Championship. Uh, you know, from the big clubs and do well, come back to their club uh, and, and off they go. You know, Mason Mount being a, like a prime example of that. A lot are going to Germany. The Bundesliga now are looking at our players. And obviously, Sancho being a, a huge one. They then go and sell back to us for gotten the gazillions mm -hmm. of pounds. So um, I, I just think that it's, it's getting exposed to the right level um, of, uh, of football at the right time because, you know, it's okay these young lads at 18, 19 getting all this money, but, you know, that's not what it's about. It's improving. It's getting better. It's making the best of yourself. And I think if you can go play first team football somewhere and from a different angle, you know, whatever country it may be, learn, grow up and then, uh, you know, come back and show what it's all about. But the Premier League now, you know, for, for a young lad to get straight in is extremely difficult. Absolutely. Andy, what about you, mate? Would you, uh, like looking back on your career, I know we talked about this a little bit in your episode of My Story, um, and the opportunity that you you had where you could have nearly gone abroad to play. Is that something when you look back, like you would like to have just for the life experiences, maybe played abroad for a, a, you know, a season or two? Yeah, listen, I think it's, um, that's probably my only regret that I didn't uh, push through the move or any opportunity to go to Holland, um, to Den Haag. And, and, and it was something which really appealed to me. Um, it was more of a lifestyle thing that I was looking forward to doing, standard of football, uh, playing in different places, different um, environments. Uh, but for me, being a, a northeast boy playing playing in Cardiff was like going abroad. You know what I mean? Because it was that far away, and obviously <laughs> leaving Cardiff to go to Scotland. You know what I mean? So instead of instead of probably the abroad thing, um, 
I'm very fortunate enough to play in, you know, obviously across the different areas, probably just as important to me. Um, but yeah, probably my, my biggest regret, If I don't have regrets in football, but probably if I was looking at a regret, it would probably have been um, not pushing through the move to Holland because it was more of a, probably a family thing that um, daughter was, was, was at a young age. Yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 it's difficult, isn't it? Like, there's so many things to consider as well as football. And I think sometimes fans forget that, that footballers do have other things to consider yeah. other than just where they want to play football, of course. Um, there was a really interesting question just now, and I wanted to grab it, and I've lost it because there's so many comments. Um, doo -doo 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 -doo. I'll have to come back to that one. Um but uh, Tony, wanted to talk to you a little bit about a bit more about your career, really. Um, obviously, you came over from Australia at a young age, age fifteen, um, and you got your chance with Aston Villa. Um, how did you feel about leaving Aston Villa to go to Chelsea? I mean, I'm assuming it was a tremendous opportunity, but obviously, you must have had a, a special place in your heart for Aston Villa as the club that gave you an, you know, at such a young age that that chance. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think when I uh, did get my chance at, at Villa, um, you know, they looked after me from 15, 16, 17. I got in the first team at 18. Um, I think I was player of the year the year after. So things were going, you know, really well. But that great old side that won the European Cup um, was breaking up. And so us youngsters were kind of coming through. And we had kind of too many of those youngsters and not quite enough experience. And especially up top in this one particular, my last season there. Um, and what shocked me the most, most was the uh, the chairman, uh, Deadly Doug Ellis, good old Doug, uh, gave me a call and said, right, I'm coming to pick you up in one hour. Uh, Chelsea want to buy you. Uh, you drive in there with me. We want David Speedy, their striker. We're going to do a swap. Now, for me, when you dream as a, as a young lad, not like you, Andy, you know, it's your hometown club. You want to stay there forever and ever, don't you? That's That would be your absolute yeah. dream. Well, Villa gave me my yeah. opportunity, and that's what I thought I was going to do. And I was playing really well. They player of the season. What, you know, I don't know what more I could have done, uh, but we couldn't score goals. So they were willing to sacrifice or to get a striker. You know, I had to go to Chelsea. Uh, myself and David Speedy didn't agree actually uh, on the move, so it, it didn't happen then in March. Uh, but unfortunately, then Villa got relegated. Chelsea came in with a with a, a money big money offer, and uh, I had the choice. Graham Taylor came in and said, uh, "Right, uh, on you go." He actually was talking in front of all the team right at the end of the season after he got relegated. And he, uh, he stood up and pointed and said, you, Dorigo, if you want to leave, you know, go on, there's the door. Thank God he was pointing at Gary Williams, who actually had the same kind of hair as me. We all started <laughs> laughing, thank goodness. I got up and said, OK, thanks, boss, I'm off. And then I went to London. So um, what that soon made me realise was football is a business, even way back then, and when it's right for the club, you know, they will do what's right for the club. And uh, that hurt, you know, because I would have stayed there, you know, forever and a day. But I soon worked out, actually, you know, grow up, work out what this, uh, what the game's all about. And off I went to Chelsea and had a, yeah, and, and uh, an enjoyable four years down there. And, of course, you scored a, a free kick, uh, was it, in the uh, in the Zenith Data Systems final at Wembley versus Middlesbrough to, uh, to, uh, to take victory away from the Campbell family and and others um and andy's brother was in the chat earlier he mentioned it um talk to us a little bit about that experience uh, you know playing for wembley in a final um obviously the is it the zenith data systems cup i i yeah hope i've yeah, got that right. right i think 
it was it was yeah i think you have to also remember at the time of how little chelsea had won and middlesbrough had won so the the fans were like itching to go to this ground and the noise and the atmosphere was just amazing and then again you know me as a little little lad in in australia in adelaide you know dreaming of scoring a winner in a wembley cup final and what have you it it all kind of came together you know in that day and it was amazing it, it was and okay it wasn't the biggest of cups but it's something I'll uh, certainly never, ever forget. And uh, a lot of Middlesbrough fans don't let me forget it either because I ruined so many childhoods. I've I had grown f- men come up to me yeah. and, and tell me the story. <laughs> there's a few in the live chat telling me, why did yeah, I bring I am, this up? I am really sorry. I am really sorry. But I must admit, uh, when I went back, I can't remember how long ago it was, uh, to watch, I think it was Leeds United playing Middlesbrough and I had a car park pass. And as soon as I turned up, I said, uh, you know, uh, Dorigo, I've got a car park pass. He says that, yes, turn back and go 10 miles that way. And that's where you can park with a big <laughs> smile on his face. I had a good laugh. And then he eventually let me in. So, uh, uh, no, listen, you know, we, we do our job. But um, fortunately, I managed to uh, stick one past Pearsy, who probably should have saved it, to be honest. But I'm glad he didn't. There we go. Um, of course, that wasn't the only uh, trophy you won in your career. Um you won the uh, Division One, as it was with uh, with Leeds. Like, how special was that? Because not uh, not every player gets to experience winning, you know, the Premier League or the Division One, the top league in the, uh, Britain. Because it has been a select few clubs who've won it in the modern era, really. Yeah, it was really special, uh, very special indeed. And I think when you get such a tight knit group of players, uh, the quality players that we had, the leadership, certainly of the manager, Howard Wilkinson, but also Gordon Strachan, you know, great young players like Batty and Speed coming through. And there was a togetherness about us and uh, Ellen Road. um, Yeah, we really did make that a fortress. We never lost that season uh, at home in the league. And it just, you know, went from strength to strength. And of course, you go to your new club, they finished fourth the previous season, then I signed. And of course, you hope that we can go a little bit better, but uh, yeah, to, to, to clinch something like that is pretty special. So a um, lot of good games along the way. But as a, as a group of players, uh, it was the best uh, you know spirit I've ever been involved in. And uh, the standards were extremely high, even in training every single day. And Wilco left you know, no stone unturned. And we, uh, uh, yeah, we, we did it. Something I'll be very proud of for a long time. Um, Tony, just to follow up on that. Uh, sorry, Hans. I just wanted to sorry, get this oh, one sorry. quickly. Go, go. Um GD Parry just said, how did it feel winning Division One title and then go all the next season without an away win? Uh, so is that right? The, the season after, you mm-hmm. didn't have an away win. So that's quite a contrast in uh, fortunes. Quite a contrast. It was a flipping mm-hmm. disaster. <laughs> what are you on about? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, that was a contrast. Uh, yeah, anyway. Um, being diplomatic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No problems at all. Um and our home form, would you believe, we would have finished third or fourth. That was a, like the we had a great home form. We just could not win away. And it's funny what, what Andy, uh, before we were talking about superstitions, well, suddenly Howard ended up changing everything. As soon as we, you know, couldn't get a win, we'd have a different hotel, we'd train at different times, we'd eat at different times. We did all this, you know, stuff differently, which uh, it, it was just a hole we got into and just could not get out. I think if you look back as well, that was the first season of the uh, the no back pass rule which um, I think kind of slightly affected us as well. But yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was certainly was a shock. I think we recovered the following season, but uh, yeah, we didn't make a, a great defense of our, our title, unfortunately. Yeah. 
Sorry, and I cut you off, mate. No, it's all right. No, don't worry. It's only my, my thing. My question was going to be: um, I've obviously been named in the uh, in the best eleven for the first Premier League season, um, and obviously special accolades individually. How special was that for you? Because you know, what I mean, it's nice to win things as a team, but individually, sometimes it's to be recognised is is even better. So, how 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 special were personal awards to you? Um, they're they are nice. Obviously, you you look back at those sort of things. I think they are. Uh, really pleasing. I think you know, obviously it's your your uh, pros that you're playing with and against uh, that votes. So that was, yeah, pretty special. Um, I, I also think the Player of the Year, um, just the fans, are, you know, and, and like you, Andy, you know, just give your all, just give absolutely everything. You, you know, that's all you can do, and fans appreciate that. Certainly, Leeds fans did. I, I was Player of the Year at Aston Villa, at Chelsea, at Leeds United, and Torino in Italy. My first four clubs. After that, I was pretty rubbish, to be honest. My legs went. But anyway, it's uh, you know as long as you just die for the shirt, uh, you enjoy what you do. Um, so to get that that sort of awards, uh, looking back, is pretty nice. You know, at least you know you you did everything you could. But you just said there about 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 uh, run through a brick wall for your club and and stuff. And obviously, I um, do my research on here and 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 read as much as I can up about um, about our guests and stuff. And 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 the word what comes is loyal. And people say how loyal you are to club and. How proud does that make you feel then that supporters see you as that? You know what I mean? That I wouldn't say it's a, it's a, it's a bad word to be to, to, to be said about you. You know what I mean? You want to be you want to be you want to be told as the the best player and the technically best player. But for me, sometimes I want to be known as that person who ran around the most or ran around and and and, and died for the shirt and wanted to run through a brick wall and and things. I mean, that was the most special thing that people remember me from from working hard and running around. You know what I mean? I've never I never said that I was the best player at any of my clubs. I just I wanted to be remembered when I retired from just running around and trying my best because for me that's what you probably owe yeah. to the people who pay your wages. Well, absolutely right, and, and and that's why people say to me, "Oh, did you not enjoy playing at that club or this club?" Well, no, I got paid lots of money to do something I absolutely loved in front of fans that wanted to cheer me. I said, how can you not, you know, enjoy those sort of things? But, but I'd go a step further in that for me, I look back at my career and think, uh, you know, did I do the best that I could do? Did, was it the best version of me, you know, wherever I went? And I, I did, I just tried my best wherever, you know, wherever that got me, wherever that ended up. Yeah. Obviously I've, uh, I, fortunately I won titles and this, that, and the other, but uh, I just did the best that I could, uh, you know, each and every single time. And I think, People appreciate that, and that's yeah. I'm certainly proud of that, and I'm sure you are as well, Andy. You know exactly what you yeah. were. You were, you know, wholehearted, yeah. and uh, you gave it everything. And uh, you know, I think that's a really good thing. Yeah, that's no, great. Um, obviously, Tony, you just mentioned there about 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 legs went and, and and coming towards the end of your career and things. So transition out of the game. How did you find it? Because you know, when you hear you hear the stories, and it affects different players in different ways about um, about yeah. leaving the game. That some find it the transition's quite easy. Some find it really difficult, and that's the probably the leaving the changing room and being with involved in loads of people one minute and then next minute you're not one minute you're a footballer next minute you're not next minute you're somebody next minute you're not you know i mean people look at it and and talk about it in so different ways and so many different mannerisms for example but how did you find the transition from one day being a footballer and the next next minute not i think what's uh, what's most important is you, you know that that is one part of your life and then that stops and something else starts again you will never ever replicate you know, what goes on in that changing room. You know, you, I'll never replicate going to, I don't know, uh, Anfield and being one nil up and, you know, hanging on 10 minutes to go and suddenly getting those three points and, you know, going crazy. It, 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 that doesn't happen. So as long as you understand that and don't try and, uh, you know, think that's always going to be there. Uh, for me, it was a case of what would I like to do? 
and obviously I wanted to stay within the game somehow, but did I want to be a coach? Did I want to be a manager? I've got my badges and what have you, but I think unless you are committed to something, don't do it. You know, you're not going to be doing it very well. Uh, and so what I enjoyed was certainly uh, TV and punditry and what have you. So I, I went into ITV. I got a three-year contract, a TV contract, and kind of stayed in the, the media game kind of ever since. And now, uh, very luckily, I'm, I'm back with uh, Leeds United for the last few years doing, uh, you know, all their stuff and being an ambassador and what have you. So I still love the game. You know, you don't have to be a, a manager wherever it is, but... I always found other things that I enjoy and there's lots of stuff out there, you know, to do. I actually did pro property developing down in the Algarve and uh, yeah, I was always interested in, in plenty of different things, but um, it's not easy. You know, I, I know that, but they, you know, the lads have to find something they enjoy, whatever that may be and uh, go and be the best you can at that and get that sort of enjoyment. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it, it is not a straightforward thing for sure. Yeah. And I totally agree. And obviously me and Sai spoke on here about mental health and the way that it affects people. With social media, I think that transition of being a footballer is difficult. Um, I think I was so I'm so thankful that social media around. I think it adds unnecessary pressure on the people. Um, I tried to not be a footballer outside of when I left training. So you know, I mean, especially when I had kids, and I think when when families become involved, I think it's you, you try to step away from that football and try to put it sometimes as, as, a, as a as a job. You know, what I mean, that when I when when I go to training and try to be the best footballer I can be, I try to work hard. But when I go home, I want to be the, the best person I can be, the best family man I can be, and try to. You know, I mean, try to save energy, of course, because I'm, I'm, I'm building up to something, which is Saturday or a Tuesday night or a Wednesday night or a Friday night and a Sunday afternoon, at the, which which where football's going. But it's it must be so hard now because there's extra pressures. Um, you're away from home a lot more than probably we used to be. Um, Travelling, um, playing in Europe, uh, international weeks, blah, blah, blah. It's so difficult now and it, it adds a lot more pressure. And then you've got camera phones, you've got social media, you've got all this rubbish, what's going on. It's, it must be horrific now being a young player um, and added all that pressure. We spoke, Sai, haven't we, about um, uh, about the extra pressures added on football and, 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 and what clubs potentially can do. Yeah. Tony, are you, are you aware of um, anything that Leeds have got in place? I know we had Klaus Lundik while I'm on um, and obviously Southampton now have employed him and another couple of ex-players to help players who are struggling in terms of um, and the media, social media. Um, uh, I, I don't. I actually did have a, a chat um, with Andrea Rodrikzani, uh, the Legion United owner, about um, uh, something uh, like that. But but I think I, I agree with you in that the social media side now just adds another you know layer of pressure on these lads. But you also got to think of all the lads that that don't make it. You know the ones that suddenly are under that pressure yeah. from eight, nine, ten, eleven. I think it's just crazy. You know these young boys are just trying to you know, grow up for goodness sake. And uh, even they get heaped pressure on them. And of those that are going through, you know, how many make it? What, 2% or whatever it is? It's something, you know, ridiculous. So there's so many layers in there um, for, um, I think, help and assistance. The PFA, uh, I know, you know, are trying to do their part as well and helping not only those lads uh, from 17, 18 when they're in clubs, but the, the ones that are retiring now as well to give them some direction. Uh, and in fact, the PFA, uh, I'm very proud to say I was the first person that they funded a computer for way mm. back in 1985. Wow. The computer was giant, by the way, wow. a black and white bloody thing that took <laughs> up most of the room. That's incredible. <laughs> and I'm pressing on this keyboard and uh, all the lads are going to me, what the bloody hell you got that for? You know, what the hell is that? Can we play games on it or ping pong or something? But no, 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 you can't do that. Um, wow. So they were there. They're there to access and help. But, you know, some lads sometimes, as you know, Andy, you know, don't want to speak up. 
they just want to be one of the lads and yeah. what have you, but they need some help and guidance. And we, we all do at times. And, uh, you know, it is out there for you. But I, I agree that the pressure is certainly on. I, I, I totally agree. Obviously, in my situation, um, the PFA were great with me. Um, I, I, I was probably six months a little bit later than I wanted to go to them, but I got pushed to them. I would have liked somebody to push me towards them a little bit quicker. And I think that there's that many people now, even agents and representatives and people now are aware that the pressures which go on football, they need just some advice and some guidance. And the guidance is there. Um, I know there's other companies. I know ex-football have set up companies. Um, I know Emil Heskey and some other players have set up companies to help and, and guide these players during their journey as a footballer, which is absolutely fantastic because they've been there like we have and wore the T-shirt, so to speak, and, and I've got the experiences, good and bad, because they're not just Premier League footballers, winners, international players. They've got a whole range of uh, players who've, who've, yeah. who've got released at 16 or got injured at 21 and or played for their full England squads. But it's a, it's an amazing um, initiative, which is great. But, you know, I mean, the, first and foremost, there, there are people out there and if, if there are any players, current players, ex-players who are, who are watching here and, and just just get the help and get, get some advice from people. Because Tony just said about the PFA, they pushed me towards uh, education again. I... I, I uh, I hated school. I'll be honest, couldn't stand it. Um, I've now got two degrees. I, I teaching it and teaching a school. If someone had said that, said that to me during my football career, I'd I'd, I'd have laughed in the face because I just think it was it was ridiculous. But when you speak to the the Richard Jobsons of this world, who uh, who was absolutely brilliant with me, uh, the Andy Barlow's, yeah. you know what I mean, those, those kind of those kind of guys. I can't speak highly of enough. You know what I mean? But I just wish that somebody had pushed me a year earlier or six months earlier but i think that fantastic people great people absolutely great people um sorry i think to finish i think um do you want to pick um three three questions if we've got three to finish from, uh, can, from yeah. our lovely viewers i can indeed um some fantastic comments i've just got to check this one up because it's um, a super chat so obviously takes priority uh gaz says uh such a good show i have another super chat best football pod out there Vote for best footy pod award. I appreciate that, guys. That's uh, that's really cool. Um, and a few others have sent you know, guy, uh, John Bywater would like to know who the guest is next week. John, calm down, let's finish this week <laughs> first. He did say it's been a fantastic episode, and he's really enjoyed uh, Tony's outlook. I'm just winding him up a little bit. Um, okay, so, um, Donna Perry, I know, asked earlier, and this was the question I was trying to find earlier. She said, could you give us, because we do have a large Welsh contingent in our live chat, including myself, um, could you tell us a nice Gary Speed story? A nice Gary Speed story. Um, just, a, just a Gary Speed story, I guess. To be honest, every story will be nice because I must admit uh, what a fantastic uh, player he was, but he's even you know more as a man. And he was a young man. Uh, he was... I think well, I was 25, I think, when I joined Leeds United. So he was just a few years younger. But uh, for him to play in front of me, um, I've never known like a left midfielder or a left winger come to me and, and ask where he has to go. What position would you like me, Tony? Would, I, would you like me here? Would you like me there? Normally you're screaming at those lazy buggers to come back and do your job. But Speedo was like on it like a bonnet. He was just fantastic. And he just wanted to learn. He wanted to soak it all up. But, you know, he was... A great player. I mean, he could tackle. He had a great left foot, right foot. He could volley in the air. He was amazing. He could dribble. And the guy was so good looking as well. For God's sake, he was just sickening. I mean, he was just uh, wonderful. And, uh, you know, I, I can't speak highly enough. And uh, Speedo for me was um, 
you know, one of the, the best teammates I've, I've played with and uh, what a lovely, lovely man. And just uh, I'm delighted to have known him, uh, you know, that many years and play with him. And uh, yeah, he's a, he's a very, very special guy. Excellent. Thanks. Um, so last couple of questions. We've got one uh, about you and then one general one uh, for the both of you. So we'll go with the one directed specifically to Tony. Uh, first, Reese David Evans says, what means more to you? Uh, awards voted for by your peers uh, or awards from media or awards from fans? Uh, I, I would have to go. Uh, peers peers is, uh, is pretty special because these are the guys that, you know, that um, uh, certainly understand the game inside out. Not that the fans don't, but these are your, you know, your contemporaries and uh, to get it off of them is a, uh, is pretty cool, but you know what? Uh, hey, I'll take any award. It's great. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> and then um, we'll read out uh, Gaz's question. That's totally good. Yeah, spot on. If it was in me, um, I think I'd probably appreciate the award from your peers because they're the people you're playing with, competing against. Um, they know what they know. The sacrifices that you go through to to reach the best levels you can. Um, so uh yeah gaz sent in a couple of super chats tonight so we'll let we'll go with gaz to finish uh and he would like to know would you guys rather pay 72 million for jade sancho age 21 or 100 million for jack Grealish, age 25 um andy we'll go to you first on that one mate and then we'll finish with tony nicely um what do you think uh, oh. I'm all, I'm all for pace. I love my pace from from my my best eleven uh, my best eleven team selection. So I'm going to go Jaden Sancho. I think he's got the natural ability. I'm not saying Jack's a bad player by the way, but by any means. But I just think what, what Jaden would bring to the party with his trickery, with his pace, with his with his taking people on. You know, I'd love. I'm, not, I'm really looking forward to seeing him in a um, in the Premier League uh, week in week out and uh, and seeing him excel. Hopefully, bringing what he had at Dortmund and more and, and kicking on to that next level for club and country as well. Because obviously, with the World Cup coming around the corner, if he can play regular football this year, um, this current season, England will have a, a world beater on the hands come uh, come Qatar. What about you, Tony? Which one would you yeah. go for? Um... Can I pay thirty million for one of them and pocket the rest? Is that, is that a possible? Yeah. Or, no? yeah. Okay, it's um, crazy, crazy money. Yeah, isn't it? It's well, it's nuts. But I, I tell you what is important though is it's how you get the best out of those players. So it's okay buying a Sancho and buying a Grealish. It's then what you build around him, allowed him to kind of flourish and show what they can do. But what you have got in those two players is two of the arguably the most talented players in the England squad. Uh, they can change things and make things happen. Uh, Grealish would be interesting at, at City with those. Kind of, you know, players around. How will he get on? Like not being that absolute number one because you can't tell me, you know, De Bruyne is going to run the show. Uh, so that's going to be an interesting one. Yet Sancho, you know, the goals that he scored and the amount of assists that he scored at, uh, at Dortmund was just absolutely phenomenal. So uh, it'll be interesting. It, it's the going rate, whatever it is, it is. But uh, it's more to do with I think who can get the best out of their player that will end up being the, you know, the, the most money. But I'd rather just pay thirty million and pocket mm -hmm. the rest just for the record. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's totally interesting agree. though, isn't it? That Go on, yeah. go on, Anne. Just, just on that, I think, uh, I think with transfer fees, Tony just mentioned it there. You've got obviously White signing for Arsenal for for fifty million. You've got Varane signing for United for less, and and people are jumping on the back of a price tag and 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 blaming players basically. You know, what I mean, White, he's, he's taking a lot fault. of stick on social media about price tag. It's not his fault. He's he's done his job at Brighton. He's got selected in England squad um, on ability and ability alone. Um, if people agree with it or don't agree with it, it wasn't his decision to be to be selected. Gareth picked him, so he was a he was the choice. Um, 
and Arsenal have bought him. I mean, they bought him for potential as well as, as current form. So for me, course, yeah. you know what I mean? Yes, it's a lot of money, but in 10 years, five years' time, you know what I mean? He could be he could be a sniff for, for, for if, if he gets Arsenal clean sheets or he gets them back in the Champions League or he forbid he gets them a title or a or a champion or a Champions League place or an FA Cup. You know what I mean? So these are the it's a fine margins. Arsenal are missing huge pieces of the jigsaw and they need a defender. And you know what I mean? Just I know I'm going off on tangent a little bit, but he's He's on par with those kind of players that you just mentioned. So it's uh, it's it would be a big signing for, for a lot of money, though. Yeah, I think he, he fits the bill for what Arsenal need. Arsenal were never going to be able to sign like a, a Champions League defender at the moment because they're not in the Champions League and they're not really competing at, at that level. So they had to look at potential. And I think Ben White fits the bill. But of course, English players come with a premium. And I mean, you even even with Jaden, going back to the original question, Jaden Sancho is only seventy-two million from Dortmund because he's come out coming from Germany, whereas Jack Grealish, because he's coming from Premier League to Premier League clubs, is an extra thirty million on top. It's extortionate money. I don't think Jack Grealish is a hundred million pound player yet, but he could be in the future. Um, Tony, we've had a lot of people. Saying can uh, can Tony Dorigo come back for part two um, on the Andy Campbell football show? Um, as a rule, uh, we generally only have guests on once, but I can I think I'd speak for Andy and say that you are most welcome back anytime um, because it's been absolutely phenomenal. I'd be greedy. I'd, I'd be greedy, so I'd have, I'd, have, I'd have Tony on every week, but I know he's got commitments with uh, with, <laughs> yeah, with Leeds United. So. Gee, you lot were kicking me out the door just a minute ago. Now I'm not back. Listen, I really enjoyed it. Anytime, guys. Absolutely. Yeah, it was a Jeez, phenomenal, Tony. So I really appreciate it. Andy Campbell, appreciate it, mate. And listen, you got through to five past nine and you didn't get I kicked did. out once. I know, you, you, I know, I'm buzzing. You survived. Absolutely buzzing. So, uh, buzzing. That's, that's, I mean, listen, that's it's improvements are getting better, slowly and surely. So when people in the group chat start saying they've got a, they've got an Andy Campbell internet, no, just, just stop it now. You know <laughs> yeah, what no, mean? That's, just, just, that's just the new thing now. Isn't it? That's, <laughs> whenever anyone has an internet problem, my internet's doing an Andy Campbell. Um, <laughs> guys, thank you ever so much for watching. As always, really appreciate it. If we didn't get to any of the questions, I do apologise. Tried to get through as many as we could. Um, as always, really appreciate you guys tuning in on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and all that stuff. Please do subscribe, follow, all the good stuff. Really helps us grow and and find new viewers, new listeners, and of course check out uh, check out the audio version tomorrow, uh, which will be released on the Sports Social Podcast Network and uh, all Spotify, Stitcher, and check out our new little website through the Sports Social as well. But uh, in the meantime, we will be back next Monday. Uh, and look out for news as well because the championship is back so uh, you never know what might turn up on Friday uh, look out on our social medias for that uh, Andy Campbell would you like to tell the people anything further before I play the clip no no I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give out I'm not gonna give out the guests for next Monday I think uh, no, no he's been a great guest I don't know where sure any disrespect and, and, and talk about next week's guest watch the social media um, look out for Friday um and uh and watch this space yeah absolutely i wasn't suggested name the guest no i i want tony dorigo back next week <laughs> <laughs> guys thank you it's been a pleasure tony thank you andy thank you Thanks, and the viewers thank Pleasure. you cheers, cheers, so much. Much. cheers, cheers. Andy, mate. cheers. Good to speak to you
This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Network.